Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Wednesday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high-quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order. Right, let's get it going right here, right now. This is Eyes Up Here, and you're listening to a brand new Eyes Up Here exclusively on our Patreon channel, as well as on the Creative Control Podcast Network. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and every single week I'm joined here with my mouse-eared wearing uh, Queen of Extreme co-host, the one and only Queen of Extreme, Miss Francie. Yes, this is a weird week for us because uh, <laughs> Mr. Chad over here disrupted my week a lot with his flip-flopping because he had to move. Oh, well, he had to ruin my week and make me work on a Saturday night. So I didn't have it in me <laughs> to put on a nice shirt. So I'm wearing my Mickey Mouse shirt today. I apologize. I appreciate the accommodation very yeah, and much. I look like I, my nipples are sticking out, but it's not. I have a bra on. <laughs> look at that. Do you see that? Do you, do you see that? No, no, the, right I here? can't. I see Mickey's nose. No, it looks like. Okay, no, you're, you're right. You're it's right. my bra pattern. Oh, my goodness. Oh, How it's, funny is oh, that? Oh, the, the drama of being a woman, what you have what to worry me? about. <laughs> if my, if my nipples are hard, nobody cares. Yeah, no, I, they're not, though. I have a, look, I have, I have a bra on. So well, it's not a nipple. What a night for hard nipples here as we record on a Saturday. The wow. second time we've ever recorded on a Saturday. Uh, I Again, I appreciate the accommodations. It has yeah, been yeah. one heck of a week, uh, end of the week specifically. Look at this. What's this? What is oh, is this a tiny little violin that yeah. you're playing for me? Yeah. I'm not asking for a violin. It's Cry just, me a river, would you? Just, you know, just, I'd love for somebody to uh, experience it with me more than anything. Hey, I, I moved when I was eight months pregnant. No, no, I wasn't eight months. I was no, I ran the show when I was eight months pregnant. I moved when I was like, what was I, six, four and a half months, something like that. But I, I was pregnant. I'm not the first person to move. I'm not the last person no. to move. But go ahead, tell us your your. I, it's your just been, you know. So I, I sold one house, the house I'm currently, and this is actually the last ever look recording there. to be done in the house. Yeah, I mean, look, you've seen it behind me. There it is. It's almost Sayonara, sweetheart. Almost done. All the stuff's off the walls. The jersey, yes. everything's off the walls. Right. My uh, my new studio will not fully be ready, but I will be in it for our next recording. Oh, so yeah. Well, it's going to be, you know, it's the rec, it's the rec area, the rec room of my basement um that is going to be where the the the, the desk is going to be and it's going to be very cool and it's going to be finished eventually but the next time we record i'll be in the new uh, the new place just the journey to get to here i had to sell my one house to buy my next house okay whatever that was the process we did it it's all good the people who are buying my house or have bought which i'm now renting from them until i move out <laughs> have been assholes to oh, us really that's a shame oh they have been dickheads the whole entire oh. time as we've been finishing that transaction oh. um the people that were moving into i think did i tell you this i'm not going to go into it on the air but i told you the story behind the house correct uh, no oh all right i will uh, tell you off the air i can't okay. tell it on the air oh for legal reasons oh. <laughs> but um the people were lovely Okay. Lovely, lovely, lovely people, older couple. 
we uh, went to do like, you know, the inspection, whatever. We met them. They weren't supposed to be there, but they were. They were very nice. Uh, the woman cornered Liz and was like, hey, you know, I would like to leave this stuff for you. She politely just said, yes, it was a couple things. It was a rug, sconces and fertilizer for the garden. Right. Okay. Whatever. She just politely, Liz says, you can tell Liz anything. She will say yes. She's the worst (laughs) when it comes to that stuff. She said yes. Okay. Okay. We go for our preliminary walkthrough the day before closing and we open the door to the house, to the house trash. What? (laughs) Dirty beyond belief. Stuff everywhere. They left shower curtains, shower mats, stuff in drawers, hairbrushes, toothbrushes. Ew! Oh, every oh. everywhere you turned around, dog mats, dog pee pads oh, in the closet, no. uh, a bed frame, you know, a headboard, not fertilizer, every garden tool known to man that you could possibly imagine. And broken, not like something you would keep. Like, oh, hey, I, they, whatever, that's a new rake they left behind. Thanks. Sure. You're just trash 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 and as we're getting the shit sandwich from the new people buying our house we're sitting here going like what what the hell like what what are you gonna you know what's gonna what are you gonna do for us short answer was nothing they were gonna do nothing they didn't want to come and pick it up they thought that that was acceptable because liz said yes to those three the three items they thought they were just being nice and helpful how are they being helpful by leaving garbage in your house? Pee pads from a dog? Got me. Got me. I so, would have said, excuse me, get this shit out of here Yep. right now. Not to mention the day before our walkthrough, I get a text from my real estate agent saying, hey, the owners would like to see if you would be interested in buying their lawnmower. Right? And I'm like, I politely <laughs> decline. You know, no, thank you. I looked up a brand new lawnmower. I can get one for $99 at Walmart if I wanted to. Right. I could even get the plugged plugged in one now. You know, it looks like a vacuum. (laughs) You vacuum your rug with or your uh, your garden or grass, whatever. And I go there. I go that motherfucking goddamn stupid lawnmower better be in the goddamn garage if they left all this shit here. And it wasn't. They wanted us to buy it. (laughs) They wanted us to buy the stupid lawnmower, but left all the other crap behind. Well, now honestly, are is it like appropriate for you to tell the your real estate agent, hey, get them over here and clear this shit out of here? Yes. Okay. What we did. Okay. okay. So it turns out the the old happy couple were are not a happy couple. They are divorced. <laughs> they oh, show up. They sold the house. Right? right. Well, they show up at eight o'clock. They're supposed to meet my agent at eight o'clock the morning of our closing. We were closing it. Supposed to be at nine. Got moved. Whatever. They were supposed to meet at eight o'clock. They got there at seven. They still had a key to the house. It wasn't their house anymore. They signed the paperwork the day before. So they go into the house like it's theirs. Not only they took everything this time, including okay. the sconces and the rug and the stuff they were going to well, leave behind for Liz. Um, the one thing I was happy they left, there was a bar that they had bolted into the floor. You're not allowed. To, you're not allowed to take anything that's bolted. Right. So I was like, yes. All right. The one thing that I would have like wanted them to leave is still there. So we have like this brand new bar area down in our uh, basement. Nice. Um, but just like, so the, my agents, like they're pissed. They're so pissed. They think that you're ungrateful. They were cursing us the whole time. Yeah. Oh, my agents like, look, assholes, you guys left all this trash behind. Like, Mr. Mrs. Asshole, you're being unreasonable. (laughs) And my clients shouldn't buy a house that looks like this. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it was just it was brutal. I mean, I understand, you know, a couple things like you said. But when you get to garbage, when you used pad that a dog pissed all over in a, a hairbrush in a, i got dna yeah some toothbrush <laughs> that somebody used that's disgusting i don't want to touch other people's stuff bath, a bath mat around the toilet that like little pp dribble could get on oh, yeah i'm gonna man. touch that get the yeah, hell out of that here is, that is too much yeah it was bad so you know all in all they came and collected it we had a, a cleaner at us uh, at eight o'clock this morning come in 
and they clean. They should have did that. Well, the, the 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 context of the contract was that oh. it only needed to be broom swept, okay. right? Yeah, that's where. They but it wasn't them. broom swept. There was you could see legit dirt all over the place. They had contract dirt all over. Like they, uh. they there was nothing. So our cleaners come in, right? You pay a pretty penny. They mm. come in and clean. I swear I've never seen a bathroom almost do the ding of like shiny. Enjoy <laughs> it. It was <laughs> Enjoy it now. It was how the house should have looked yesterday. Yeah. It just, oh my oh, god. I'm sorry. Beautiful. That's that's a disappointment. Yeah, it was bad yesterday. Uh, they had two Jada Mastiff dog. Okay. Yeah. Jay, might as well have had a bear in the house. And it smells so much like dog. Oh, yuck. All the windows open. Nice little breeze coming off the uh, the pond behind the house. Nice little breeze coming in. You smell dog when it changes directions. (laughs) No, not a fan. Well, let's hope the worst is over. Yes. You know, and you don't find anything else in... You have a very happy life there. I, wish I, you well. I appreciate that. And extending the invite to the Queen of Extreme family oh. Oh. come to Virginia. We finally get an invitation. I, well, now wow. I have a, I have the whole floor for you. That wow. You guys, there's a kitchenette. There's a bedroom, a bathroom. You got your own private area. You just have a day. Just oh, have at it. Thank you. Well, uh, we'll see what's what's going on. Uh, I'll, I'll ask the hubs if... Uh, Hey, I, I, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll try to make it worth your while and find something down here. Okay. <laughs> well, my sister-in-law's down there too. Some. Oh, that's so. right. Yes, that's right. I don't know what pro. Uh, yeah, proximity from you guys. Thirty minutes. I mean, we um. Thirty minutes. Is it thirty minutes from yep. there? Okay. Right down Route Seventeen. We'll have to figure something out. Stop so, skipping um, a jump. I, I I'm super excited for you guys. I hope it is everything that you have dreamt of and I hope it's good for the children. And I hope you find new swingers to hang out with because um, <laughs> you, know, you might get a little lonely in that new development of yours. So, um, Pretty That's big neighborhood. You never know. Very big neighborhood. Just got to hang that upside down pineapple outside the house and see who starts knocking on the door. Is that, is that what you do? That oh. is the international sign for you're in a safe place for swingers. Oh, is it? Oh, wow. That's not my homework, girl. Okay. I know what I'm I talking about. I had no now. idea. Yeah. No well, idea. Well, well, listen, enough about me. This is your platform. How are you? I know. I'm, I'm dandy. I'm dandy. I'm, I'm well, uh, you know, didn't have that much of uh, excitement in my uh, house this week as you did. Um, but I'm glad it's the weekend and, um, I'm ready to party. All right. No. Yeah. No, I'm good. I'm good. Just did some work and, um, you know, spent some time with the kids. Same old, same old. Did a lot of walking. Nice. I have my two pound weights that I put on each hand. Ooh. And I'm like the, the the mom that power walks through the city. And uh, <laughs> I've been doing that all week. Today, I took a, a rest day. My hip was really bothering me. But, uh, you know, we just had a little pizza party. And now I'm ready for our guest who I can't wait to talk to. Um, I've kept in touch with him over the years through mostly through the internet. Um, and I've been reaching out to him and I'm just like, I'm extending an invite. Will you come on? And he keeps saying yes, but the timing was never right. And our worlds just came as one this, this Saturday. So I'm, ex- I'm excited to have him on and um Hopefully, I sent him the link, so hopefully he'll be a... He has not popped up yet. Okay, he will. He's ready. ready I'm pumped because, like, the fact that he was able to accommodate the switch of days was even better. Like, that... That to me was the best part because that's that meant it was meant to be. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, can you please tell our children to stop? It sounds like a herd of cattle going through my house right <laughs> it now. Sounds like a, it sounds like a, a, a parade upstairs. It's two children running through uh, the hardwood <laughs> floors. Um, when I was talking to him, I said, do you need a um, a link for the computer or do you want me to send you a text message? <laughs> He writes, he writes back, send me a text. I don't own a computer. <laughs> okay. Like, Are you a caveman? What is going on? All right. So, yeah. So he's going to be on his phone for this one, but I, I I love him and I'm, I'm excited. Oh wait. And I got a text message. Link ain't working. He says, um, what? I sent him the link. Okay. Um, well, let me send it again. I'm doing the clap over my head. Any guesses, America? 
I'm doing I'm my class. This part out. Um, if you see him coming, better run for cover. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know the words? I it played at my bachelor party. Oh, okay? you are such a friggin' mark! I told hey, you I that. didn't book the bachelor party, but all of a sudden the music started to play. Like if it's got their music had a great fade in. <laughs> like I wish you like could play their, You know what we need to start doing? We need to start playing theme music when the guest comes on. I would love to. If I played, it would play over them. But he's got one that I wish I could just play on loop in my brain twenty four seven. If I pull it up right now, can I play it? <laughs> you could, sure. Um, let me find it. See, I'm running, better run for cover. <laughs> American Mayo. Hold on. There it is. <laughs> I'm going to play it. Tell me when he comes on. <laughs> Nobody yet. No, not yet. Oh, wait. No, this is an ad. Oh, now we have an ad. I hate that ad. I know. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> I'm going to do it when he comes on. Can you, you can edit all this out, right? Uh, yeah, I can edit out the, uh, the, the filler. <laughs> ain't working. <laughs> The filler. Come on. I just love that. Uh, it shows that in a world of cowboy and Eagles fans, everyone can be on the same page. Oh, he was pissing me off the other day <laughs> on Twitter. I was like, bro, grow up. Grow up already. Football allegiances aside, we can all, as one society, be we can one. We all get along. Yes. Oh, my God. For the time being, before this, this world goes to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> now, are we going to be uh, in trouble for playing this song? No, no. Okay. Because it is, it is his theme. No, we're we be laughing over it. It's not really going to be uh, be caught. You know, if you come to uh, Virginia, um, I hope you bring a very fuel efficient car. <laughs> Why is that? Because gas is going to be seventy five dollars a gallon. Oh. <laughs> I, yeah, well, we might have to wait till twenty twenty four to come. That's this true. Year. That's true. That's true. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Or you could take either a Jetsons car. You know, the one that goes. Yes. Or, you know, How about uh, the Flintstones car where we use our feet. Oh, okay. All right. You want to play? You want to do your, oh, your music? Uh, this is my good friend from uh, the American Males. This is Scotty Riggs, everyone. Wait, wait. Go ahead. Put him through. Those conversations. She wanted to give you a proper intro. Are you ready? Are you ready to come through the curtain? <laughs> <laughs> Na, 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 na. Got it. One of the biggest memories is seeing Mick Foley sing this song one time. <laughs> Mick Foley sang this to you? No, not Wait, to me. Play. It was something on a YouTube thing uh, back when he was in TNA. It was him, uh, Jimmy Borash, um, Abyss, and somebody else. And... All of a sudden, the, the song started playing. The officer were doing the clap and stuff. They did the clap. Wait, the beat didn't even drop. One day. I remember we pointed out to you. Wait, the beat didn't. hilarious. beat has a drop. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, this is Monty Marcus's expression when we heard this song the first time. Guess what? <laughs> <laughs> you, you were my favorite American male. <laughs> and Jimmy Hart was sitting there going, "Yeah, baby, it's it, it's got some Devo in there." And we're, me and Mark was like, "You didn't wow. love your theme song?" Say again? You didn't love the theme song? I thought it was catchy. Um, it was <laughs> a, it was the toughest. It it we actually did love it. I loved it because it was so cheesy. It just gave us it, it gave people something when they heard it. They knew they knew who it was. You know, okay. it was one of those one of those things where like. It was like, who's coming out now? As soon as they heard, they're like, oh, American Males. Of course. Well, first, let me just say it's great to see you. You too. You look great. You look great. I didn't dress for you today. I'm sorry. I usually <laughs> dress for you, though. Well, I was just going to say, what the <laughs> hell are you wearing? Because you're pissing me off. Um, that's fine. <laughs> I usually get dressed up a little bit, but because our schedule so often, it was a Saturday night. And I had pizza, and I feel brr, I wore a big shirt. So I thought, and this is not my nipple. This is my um, bra. Do you see that? No, I wasn't looking, but because uh, <laughs> what, what's it? Look up, eyes up here. Yes, right. eyes up here. So I wasn't Look looking, but you had to point it out. So that, well, that know, like, for the people was watching, that because I was an American male. You had to point out that's not your nipple. It looks. It is not my nipple. It is a bra because I have a but bra. You had, but because I'm American male, your favorite. Yes. You had to point that out. Well, I also pointed it out to Chad earlier because I thought, you know, if he looked at me weird, because it looks like I'm 
excited. Well, but it's, it could have been because of Scotty Riggs. Just <laughs> okay, could have yes. been. Exactly. I'm sure it wouldn't be the first nipple that popped out after the American no, well, Music. Yeah, I am, That's I right. am the queen of. Uh, <laughs> of Definitely uh, signed a lot of boobs. Yeah, that- I did. So, um, S- Scotty, uh, what do you want to talk about? Because I know you've done a bunch of interviews. It's like, how did you get started? You know, when did you break into business? I did that once with you for uh, like yeah, two and a half hours. Here, so, here. two and a half hour trip. We interviewed you in 2015, 2016. Nah. It was epic. You made our, it was, it was a, an unbelievable experience for me. I'm glad you were there, and that's all I got to say. I don't want to sound like a, not so much. I don't want to sound like a mark anymore. I'll just let you guys talk. <laughs> no, I think, I, every, it's all cool to me. I mean, I'll talk about anything and everything because it's to me a conversation. I hate like doing. I remember I did um, what was that? Uh, uh no, I can't think of the dude's name. Um, the guy who used to come around ECW all the time. Business like interviews. Oh, Feinstein. Yeah, Feinstein. Oh, yeah. I did his thing and sat there. It was in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I sat there in the hotel room, and the guy sat there with like three to four pages of just questions. Yeah. It was question after question after. And I was sitting there going, and he and everybody thought I was like bragging about our American maleness or our <laughs> flock atrocities or debauchery type stuff. Okay. And I was like, it wasn't me. It was the questions. The, the guy that was asking the question, it wasn't Feinstein. It was his helper was asking all these, this random gross questions oh, about so hotel you, rooms you like- and rat and all this. I'm sitting like going, you sure this is where you want to ask? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, the fans want to know this stuff. I'm like, do you fans want to know? Or do you want to know? You were kind of like putting yourself over for being one of the boys, basically. Well, it, it yeah. was the questions I was being asked. It wasn't like mm-hmm. I was putting myself. No, over. but that's that's the path that they took. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that wasn't your fault. No. I don't do that here. I let you say whatever you want, but I thought we can talk about the first meeting that we had um, in ECW because Rob Van Dam brought you in as just uh his friend like you came early i remember meeting you like i don't know what year it was but you came to just visit at first that was um that was 95 actually was it 95 yeah, okay because um yeah. me and marcus were the world tag team camps we had a weekend off and i got in touch with rob as a dude i got a weekend off what are you doing this weekend and he's like dude when we're up in, in philly come to the show so I said, sure, came up there, met Tommy for the first time, met Paulie for the first time. Yep. Uh over at the Marriott by the airport and hung out with them, got a bite to eat. Then they took me to the show, rode with, with them over there. I can't remember if Rob was with us or not. Yeah, Rob was with us. We all rode over in the minivan together. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty much it. It was like I, that, I, that was the first time I met Meanie and Carino and all the guys, Nova and all, you know, everyone. It was there. I think that was the same night Kimona did her dance. Oh, oh when wow. the ring broke. Yeah. Oh, I remember what? I was at one of the holes in, in the wall going, hey, what's going <laughs> on with this? And because everybody was like, Rick, come on here, check, check this out. And I looked over. And that was the first time I met Taz, too. But he didn't like me being there. I remember he had an attitude towards me for some reason. And the only reason I found out afterwards was he, he didn't want me to be in the dressing room because he thought I was there to take somebody's job. He thought I was looking for a job or a spot or something. I was like, does he not know? I'm like, with WCW is one of the tag team champions right now. I'm not looking for But he he was just a little standoff. He was the only one that was kind of standoffish to me. Huh. Okay. Well, what were your impressions? I mean, you know, what did you think about us? What did you think about the building? Because you hear about about this great ECW arena and then you get there and it is a shithole. Yeah, I mean, all I remember is like the toilets were overflowing, the floor was wet, okay. the dressing room was just a bunch of, you know, rooms and whatever with um, unfinished walls. Yes. All that kind of stuff. But and to me, it was kind of cool because it was like, it wasn't, because you got to remember, I was also in Memphis for eight months from January of 95 to August of 95, wrestling six nights a week, sometimes in good buildings like the Mid-South Coliseum, Louisville Gardens. Evansville was a good building. 
but then on a couple of nights of the week, on Thursdays and Fridays at spot shows, it would be high school gyms, churches, all yeah. kind of just run down buildings that some of the guys would run. And so to me, to come to y'all's arena, it was like the building didn't matter, but the vibe was so cool. That was the thing I think probably, probably I can see that smirk on your face. Probably <laughs> everyone tells you that because yeah. it re- it was real. When you walk in there, you felt an attitude, you felt a vibe, you felt an energy that was legit. And yeah. so that, that was the one thing that really stuck with me for the longest time. Everybody that has worked the arena or been to the arena, uh, you know, you can compare it to like a Madison Square Garden or a big fancy arena. But to me, that was my favorite building ever to work in because of the people. And like you said, the vibe going in, like they were into it from the minute we started to the minute we shut the doors. I mean, they they would stay till three, four in the morning to get autographs. Like they were devoted fans. And it was cool. Yeah, very cool. And and you, I loved it because like, you know, I think legally, I think we can fit like 1,200, but we used to sell, I always say this, we used to sell tickets with no guarantee of sight. They were like $5 tickets. So people can walk in and just stand behind the bleachers. They just wanted to be in the building, you know, and that intimate atmosphere, like you can literally look into the crowd and make eye contact with somebody and just feel their energy. You know what I mean? Like it was such an intimate experience. And I love that about that building. I would love to have said the same thing about um, center stage because it was a small building with y'all fans. It was great. When I was there with WCW, they hired um, models and uh, girls to sit in the audience, dress up the audience. They gave away tickets. So some of the tickets they gave away, I mean, some of it was cool with, with Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, troops, and stuff like that. Okay. But then there were also just people that seemed just to come in from anywhere, just to sit down for a couple hours and just to be a part of it. Center stage, when you have the right audience, which I yeah. saw with you guys, because right before I started with you guys in 2000, um, I actually went to see the show y'all were doing at center stage. Right. And have been there before with WCW. I sat back and wondered, like, I almost wonder what's the vibe, what's the feel going to be here? And it was the same thing as they used to be arena because y'all fans just brought it. I mean, that was the thing. It, it went. Um, I'm trying to think. There was, if there any building other than maybe the Elks one Lodge. time I wrestled at the, the Omni Lodge? in Atlanta was cool because that building had a history to it. It had okay. a wrestling history, and I'd actually gone there a bunch as a fan. And where was that at in Atlanta? The Omni in Atlanta. Oh, the, Om- the Omni. Yeah. Okay. I had mentioned the Elks Lodge. Do you remember working in Queens? I don't think I ever did the Elks Lodge. I can't oh, really you remember. Didn't. And I thought you I thought you did work there because we ran there in 2000. I want to <sighs> say you did, Scotty. I probably did, but I just it same went vibe all, as all there with it. Yeah, it's the you same know, too vibe. Many chair shots, too many chair shots. Rob Van Dam broke my nose twice. And so I blame a lot of my uh my bad memory on him. Well, let's go back. You know, love Rob, but you know, I, well, yeah, you're not the first (laughs) to say that. (laughs) The funny thing was the first time me and Rob met was about 93. Okay. Um, Some independents around Georgia and South Carolina and Greg Price was the promoter to actually put us together after a Ben Masters show in South Georgia and um, Cordial, Georgia. Okay. And that was at a skating rink. And that place had a real good vibe to it. Um, believe it or not, back in the early 90s, like 92 was my first match, February 96 of 92 was my first match. And so this was around 93. Okay. When I started getting branching out and getting booked by other promoters and stuff. And the first time I met Rob, we got along pretty well. And we were on a show in a small town in Georgia. And I wrestled as myself against Billy Black. In like the second match. And then I think Dory Funk Jr. was the main event. Can't remember who he was wrestling, but me and Rob were like the semi-main. So I wrestled second and then wrestled fourth. And I went on and put some uh like a black gi on, like I was this like a great mood of character. I put a mask okay. on, whole nine yards. Yeah. And Rob kicked me right in the nose with a little sidekick. Wow. And that was the first time he broke it, was in a mask. I remember his blood all in the mask, everything. Mm-hmm. And I went to the back, 
and some EMTs came in to check me out because they saw blood pouring out my face. And Greg had the guys come check me, took the mask off. And the guys were like, didn't you just wrestle? Weren't you a good guy? I said, yeah, that guy pissed me off. That guy with the ponytail, that RBD guy pissed me off. So I put this stuff on to fight him. You see what he did? So I'm even more mad now. And the, and the EMTs were like, really? So that was like the first time where I broke my nose. The first? And how many times after did he... The next time was in ECW, the first time we tried to van Terminator in Kansas City. Okay. Okay. I put my hands up like this, thinking that would be safe. And he hit it. And instead of going flat in my face, it went boink like that. Mm. It, didn't, yeah, it, hit it, the it kind of came down on me. Yeah. And all I remember is a blackness, then a bright light. Or no, it was a bright light. Then it got dark. Oh, my eyes also was red. Oh. oh, I climbed out. I was crawling down. Here comes Carino and Victory. If we're supposed to do like an interference in a thing, I'm just crawling past them. I'm like, you guys go do what you got to do. I'm out. <laughs> and, that was uh, no joke. And then the next, the next taping we did, I think it was in Poughkeepsie at that, uh, that center there. Catholic and that's, that's right. My bad. I had a black eyes and everything else. And so what they basically did, they had to wrestle with me and Carino. They were just putting me and him together. And um, so we went out and put the uh, the sharpshooters on two guys. I went out with tape on my nose and we put it over because it was airing after the pay-per-view. Okay. So it ended up working well TV-wise that the fans saw my face all busted up after right. the pay-per-view. Yeah. Yeah. I broke my nose in Virginia because Sandman, I had to pull him and Rhino, had to grab one of their legs and pull them off the top. Sandman was going to do his flippy flop thing. But instead of going through the table, they went backwards out of the ring and kicked me in the face. Ooh, and I broke. And then I had a spot. Remember Chili Willie? I was supposed to run in and cane him. And then we were supposed to like do a dance off or something. <laughs> and, and I said, we're not dancing. And I just kept hitting him. And they had to stick tampons up my nose. I remember. And I had the black eye gimmick the next day we had to go to the arena and here I am with these black eyes, but they did make up to make it look really. I know bad. the next night I can't remember. I think we were in Wichita and I wanted to do something, but they were like, nah, nah, it's only house shows. My face was all swollen, black and blue, whole nine yards. But mm. it was like, okay, at least I knew on the pay-per-view I went, I did this number. To protect my face and say he might break yeah. my arm, but he ain't breaking my nose. Exactly. But, oh my but goodness. But then I thought about it. If he would have broke my nose like that on the pay-per-view and it would have been a bloody mess, that would have been cool. cool that would yeah. That would have been awesome. <laughs> that would have been you cool. know, I can confirm he so he did not make the Elks Lodge show. The Elks Lodge show was later in the year. So you weren't on it. So he's right. He did not wrestle in Queens. No. No, I just checked the whole entire year of 2000 while you guys were talking. Where the hell was he? Where were you? <laughs> the only thing well, I think I, I might have missed that because when we did the Hammerstein Ballroom, uh, this is another time Rob hurt me. Uh, <laughs> we, were, we, were, we were, I think we were main event or semi-main that night. And the first like minute, two minutes of the match, we did his, uh, where he dropped me in the guardrail outside and we jump on the apron and do the leg spot. Mm-hmm. When he dropped me in the guardrail. He didn't drop me belly. He dropped me ribs. And I bruised, like, uh, or cracked, actually, I think, if I remember time. right. One or two ribs on my side. And we still went another 18 minutes where Ooh. everything I did, I picked him up. I remember one time I dropped him outside the ring for a spot. So I picked him up, dropped him, and I collapsed. After everything I did, I collapsed because I couldn't breathe. Yeah. I couldn't move. And like I said, I ended up at, I think I had two cracked ribs and a bruised rib and spent, I think I spent about four hours in emergency room that night in a New oh, York City emergency wow. room. Great. But the cool thing was, is like maybe, because they put me in the ambulance, took me there. And probably about 30 minutes afterwards, Justin McCauley came with Rob to the show. SVD and Rob came in and they spent the next two, three hours with me. They brought my gear, brought me stuff and everything else. I can change out if I need to, but I couldn't move. And they were doing all CAT scans, all this stuff on me. Because when we flying out the next day, they didn't want me to get on a plane and have my liver rupture. Sure. Or whatever. Because yeah. of where the bruise was. So I think the bruise was on my left side, the injury. But yeah, that was something that I think. And then after that, for about the next three, four, maybe five weeks, I couldn't, I couldn't work. 
because my ribs were bad. So you missed He's 100% right on the timeline. August 26, 2000, Hammerstein Ballroom, Rob Van Dam, Scotty Anton, and it aired on September 9th. So that leads exactly to why he missed the okay. show. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I I, that's was, great. That's I knew awesome. he was still with us. I was like, why weren't you at the show? But I was there. Sense. I think I remember um, Paul flew me into a couple shows, even though I couldn't work. Do oh. either some running stuff. I couldn't do a match, but I could do some things where I could be seen. But not because I could actually do anything. Yeah, I could do the clap. You could do the but clap. Could, well, you know, I could give. I could give the clap, as we would say no. back then. Not do the clap, but I would give it. Yes, I want to backtrack a minute. So we were talking about the first visit when you came as just a spectator. You were friends with Robin and Dam. You met everybody. Thought the vibe was cool. Blah 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 blah. You were doing great in WCW at this point. You said you were tag champs, right? Was having Did a blast. You- Okay. Did yeah. you did you look around and say this maybe somewhere in the future I would wouldn't mind working at? I mean, I'm sure your pay was better for <laughs> for Mr. Turner than it was for Mr. Well, you, you, here's a little fact for you, so you won't think that when they brought me in. Remember, I was in Memphis making a guarantee forty bucks a night, mm. working six nights a week. But we always, if, whether if you were like opening match on the card, you might have got like, uh, you got, bo- if the houses were good, you got bonus money in Memphis. Okay. So every, about two weeks later is when my first check came in. And I was for the first month, I was like first and second match. And the fans didn't know who I was type thing because I wasn't some major guy coming in. And so when I went from Memphis to WCW, Jenny Engel had been calling me up a couple of times. I actually spoke to Kevin Sullivan on the phone. I said, Kevin, you realize I'm here in Memphis making no money, starving. What kind of guarantee can I get to come into WCW? And he basically said, I'll get back with you next week. I'm like, everything was a week, week, week. I'll get back with you next week. I'll get back with you next week on, on everything that was happening. And he finally called me up. It was Janie who called me up in Louisville um, and said, well, we can get you a guarantee of 600 bucks a week. Under 90-day trial basis, being Marcus's tag team partner. Like, well, I'm making 200 bucks a week right now, plus a little extra 300 bucks maybe every couple weeks, you know, type thing. So 600 bucks a week is a lot better than making 200, and I'll be with WCW. You never know what happens. So for the first, from August until December, I was making 600 bucks a week. Okay. Uh, as one half the world tag team champions, making every nitro shot, making a bunch of house shows now because we're the world tag team champions, and so but and I'm making nothing, nothing. So don't say the money was different. Money became different, but yeah. for the first four months, I wasn't making squat. Right. And that actually went until March of '96 before um, Bischoff finally gave me a raise. Wow, which went to fifty grand a year to that my my in ninety six, yeah, and me had me and Marcus on every Nitro, every house show because we were the only babyface tag team that had until Steiners came in and uh, Rewards came in, Nasty Boys you kind of work heel face that type thing and with everybody, but uh, we were the only good guys they had, so they had us on every house show with Heat or with. Uh, Dick Slater, Buckhouse Buck, those guys. So I was, yeah. wasn't making any money for about the first year and a half I was with WCW. And then I finally got a nice six-figure deal for the last three years I was there. Okay. Well, you got something. Um. Yeah, it was nice. Remember, <laughs> yeah. we did a tour of Germany in 96, and I was basically uh, living off of either Bagwell or Lex um, with their credit cards, being able to eat. Because, again, I was, I was even at that time making uh, 50 grand a year. When you're on the road half the half the year, half the time, you're basically making twenty five hundred bucks, you know, or twenty five grand a year, home expenses and road expenses. I was gonna say, did did they pay for your hotel and airfare at least? Airfare, airfare right? yes. Hotel yeah. no. Ah. Um terrible. Which could which basically well the cool thing was being Marcus's partner, the first nitro, remember Lex came in on that first nitro in Minneapolis? He was a surprise guy that kind of came in. Okay. And him and Sting were friends. And Marcus and Sting were friends. So by osmosis, I became friends with Lex and Sting and was traveling 
with Alexis Sting. So, but they both had the Lincoln Town car. The rented car was taken care so of. So I was a driver in the car the whole time. I, I messed up once and pissed Sting off after we played golf one day and didn't drive. We were in Orlando and we had Nitro in Tampa oh. and didn't drive. And it was the first like real road trip that I was with those guys. And long story short, um, Mark got into, um, Mark and me both got in the back seat. Lex got in the passenger seat, and Sting drove. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that face is the face I made when Arn Anderson came up to me and reamed me, cussed me out. As soon as we got to the building, Sting stopped talking. The the because we went from Orlando to Tampa. My thought was maybe they know how to get there, so I'll just let them drive. It's a short trip, and maybe they know how to get there quick to the building. All this stuff. Okay. Uh, little did I know, Sting was livid. He was pissed. I'm surprised he didn't say, get in the front. He didn't say a word. He just got in. I don't, again, I don't know why he didn't say, Riggs, you're driving. Get up here. Yeah, yeah. He just got in. I don't know why, but for some reason, he just let things happen the way they happened. We got to the building, and Sting disappeared, whatever, and I, I got pulled by Arn Anderson. Quickly. So the office knew. Well, it wasn't the office. It was, it was Arn. He didn't go to the office. He was okay. Arn was like, Sting, what's wrong? I guess he saw Sting was mad or wasn't really talking. Kind of asked him. I think it was, and from what I know is he said, Riggs didn't drive. I'm a little pissed. <laughs> Arn pulled me aside and said, do you know who you're traveling with? These guys are the top guys with the company. Sting and Luger. Biggest names in the business. And you are riding with them. They embraced you. They be fr- and these there's a bunch of f bombs. It's a bunch of you know every little curse word that could be coming at me. But basically that night, when the show ended, I got in the keys, pulled the car up to the back of the building to the back door. So when they opened the door, I would already put their bags in the car. <laughs> I kiss ass. I was in there. Car started. Doors open. Mm-hmm. We get in, and the nasty boys want us to go to a piano bar. For after, you know, for just drinks, socializing, whatever, after the show. We're in Tampa, their hometown, their their home. And to make this long story short, we get there, we're driving, we can't find the thing. And we had this little thing going on, like from playing golf and stuff together. It was like, it's a zany, it's a zippy, it's wild and wacky, it's a little crazy. All these little things that we'd be saying to each other when something got silly. Mm-hmm. I remember, I think Lex went, this is getting zany. Mark is like, no, this is zippy. Went, this is wild. And no I was just sitting there driving. Thing. I went, nah, this is just stupid. And Sting just let out this belly laugh, this guttural laugh. And he went, I was so mad at you before, but that right there was so genuine, so real that it wasn't even our game. It was just you right now. It was so We can't find it. All is forgiven. We're all good. So it only lasted an an evening, the heat. It lasted a couple hours, yeah. Oh. (laughs) Palpable time, though. That is nothing. (laughs) You didn't have to go to to a wrestler court or anything over We didn't have wrestler's court. No? We didn't have an undertaker who ruled the roost. We Mm -hmm. just... see, WCW at the time was very, very cliquish. It wasn't like a team. It was like you had, you know, especially after Nitro started... And when the, and the NWO guys came in with Nash and all those guys, mm-hmm. they had their place. Hogan had his place, singing legs, kind of dressed with everybody. And you had to, you know, the, but everything was still very clickish. And me, Marcus, and Lex were like a little group. Alex Wright worked, traveled with us. Norton, uh, Macho, when he came in to ride with us, you know, we'd all kind of caravan together. But there were other groups that just kind of went their way and they caravan together. It was just friends being friends, but, you know, I was one of the lucky ones in one sense. I was making no money for the first year and a half I was there. Right. And the first time we did the Orlando tapings, me and Marcus stayed at the, uh, I think it was a Days Inn or something, where we could stay and get a room. The boys had a room for 25 bucks a night. You know, twelve fifty a piece. 20 bucks. At a Days you know, Inn, that's and, not you know, bad. Not bad. Lex came to pick us up the first night for uh, or first morning to go work out and then go to, to TV tapings and stuff. He walked in, looked at our room and said, you guys are never staying here again. <laughs> We're like, okay. So the very next time we went there, a few months, about three months later, we did every three months for two weeks at a time. 
uh, Lex got a condo, a three-bedroom condo on the golf course that we play with at the Orlando Marriott. Unreal. Lex, Sting stayed at the Marriott at the the big the big um, ocean front of where it is. But when he said the big main the main place, Lex got us a condo to stay at, and he flipped the bill. All Aww. I had to do was drive. How nice! <laughs> and we played golf together, but so, so it your ass never. Well. Your ass never got in the back seat again after that because no. <laughs> yeah, that's what I <laughs> never, <thinking>. never. <laughs> Even the time I drove in Yakima, Washington, at a uh, at a house show, I traveled with Sting. I was driving the car then, and I mean, I, as soon as we went to to, to the uh, rental car place, I was <laughs> Sting got the keys. I took the keys. <laughs> I was like, I'm, uh, <laughs> and this was like in '97. So I was still driving even years later. Even when he wasn't driving, like, nope. Yeah, wow. Never went through that again. So, so you know, you had a you had a good career in WCW, right? It and was a good run. Yeah, it was I mean, a good it was, run. Sure, but the, the run comes to an end, like all of ours do. Yeah. And what what do you do? Do you pick up the phone? Do you call Rob and say, "Hey, do you think I can come down?" to ECW and, and try and get a spot? Do you call Paul? Like, how how did you end up with us when you did, for those who don't know? I'm trying to remember. I, I was living in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and I think I remember either I called Rob or Rob called me and said, hey, we're in, a, you know, we're in Atlanta. You want to come to the show? Or either I called Zane and, you know, kind of come to the show. I never remember, I never asked, hey, Rob, do you think you can talk to Paulie about hiring me? Okay. All I remember is going to the show, watching the show. And I think Eric Watson just started with you and a couple other WCW guys have been let go that were in Atlanta or either getting tryout matches, looking whatever. I can either remember Rob saying something to Tommy or Tommy saying something to Rob with Scott Steele. And I can remember Tommy came up to me and said, hey, um, what's going on with you in WCW until I was done, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I got about six weeks of paychecks coming in still. He goes, well, when will that end? I said, I think it's like in February. He goes, you want to start then? I said, do what? <laughs> Excuse me? He goes, you want to start with us? Hmm. I said, yeah, I'd love to. I mean, it was one of those things where I was like, nobody really asked. Yeah. Tommy just said, you want to start. Damn, right place, right time. It, that's what it was. I mean, mm-hmm. it was really, and I think it was just because that that first time I met everybody, I wasn't an ass. I didn't no, show my ass. I wasn't a jerk. I wasn't an idiot. I was pretty respectful, and I just yeah. had always carried that reputation I guess, with everybody. Um, and I think that's what Tommy wanted in the dressing room. He wanted, you know, he knew I could work, and I think he thought that the American male thing, especially, would get the ECW fans riled up and it did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember the first time I carried Rob out on my shoulders at the arena, yeah, they that. were, they were, Oh, American male, you guys suck, but we're glad you're here, Riggs. <laughs> how, how did the clap come about? Wow. Um, <laughs> you love it. Trying to remember oh. where we were. Cause I love the, I love that gimmick. That popped me every time. Like, I thought that was so fucking funny. <laughs> now, the song that uh, Harry Slash made for me, that popped me. Okay. Because they actually, because Paulie actually got him to create an actual song yeah. for me. Right. Which popped me because um, I didn't know what I was going to use. I remember uh, at the township in Columbia, South Carolina, I didn't know what ring music I was going to use. I was working with somebody. Uh, and Carino oh, ripped me Randy. with the Ice Ice Baby. Vanilla Ice song to do the clap to that dun 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 dun, uh-huh. and I came out to that, and all I remember is I was like I didn't know what I was coming out to, but that's what I came out to. But to answer your question, I remember where was it? Um, I can't remember exactly where it was, but Paul Lee came up to me and sat me down, and he's the only Booker to ever do this with me. He sat me down and said, "Okay, this is what I kind of want to do with you. We're bringing in your Rob's best friend. It might have been at the arena." That first time I was there, carrying Rob on my shoulders, he said, what I want to do is bring you out as Rob's best friend. Then I'm going to turn you on Rob. Okay. Some people may see it coming, but it'll be one of those things where we can get you to be a heel, because I know you can work well with Rob. I know you've worked well before. And to play out the American males, because I know you can work, but your character is kind of weak. 
And that was one thing. I didn't really have a persona. I didn't have a character. Kind of like you were the queen of extreme. I didn't have that. Rob was the whole effing show and everything else. Yeah. I never really developed that in my time. I developed great ring work. But in that time, even the good time I had in WCW, I was American Male, Flock, and then the guy with the fucking mirror, which I hated. <laughs> but it was one of those things that I wanted to keep the eye patch and be a Snake Plissken type thing. I like the eye patch. Yeah, that was cool. I wanted to keep that. that was cool but Terry looking. Taylor went, "Nah, I want you. To, you know, lose the eye patch. We're gonna make you a good. We're gonna make you back to a pretty boy and make you a bad guy." From the rooster. Okay, thanks, Terry. <laughs> From the red rooster. Yeah, the red. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had heat with him a bunch of times in WCW, but other uh, stories I'll tell you in a little bit maybe. But Paul Lee basically sat down and said, we're going to do this. We're going to turn you on Rob. And what I want to do is get the clap going. <laughs> that was the one thing that separated with you and Marcus was the clap. And we could say that you're giving the fans the clap. And I went, <laughs> I had this, almost the same look with Jimmy Hart with the ring music. I was kind of like going... <laughs> clap it's brilliant though oh but after but my, my first thought was you know the std thing yeah and then i started thinking but my my mentality was wcw still in a sense of like character yeah and I went, that's really probably gonna get some good steam here and i went because i because i started again learning his fans and i remember that, that that first time you were around the fans you feel that energy they give you when you actually get in the ring in front of them you really feel the energy that they have sure just being in the arena as a, as a fan i saw it but to feel it when i carried rob out again the fans were giving me the old oh, american males y'all suck but we're glad you're here rigs kind of thing <laughs> so i kept hearing glad you're here <laughs> yeah exactly that was the thing I kept hearing. We're glad you're here. Da, da, da. And, uh, but then, you know, Paulie was like, and he goes, I know you're working at you over, but I know we'll give you the clap. That will really get over. And then and we, you know, we're going to do this and this will maybe put you with Karina. We'll have you heal. We'll do this. And he actually laid out about a six month plan of what could happen and how the clap came about and everything. You'd be so egotistical with it. He goes, and that will give you something that fans will either love or hate, and it'll be back and forth. We can maybe turn your baby face. Can you imagine, like, with Al Snow with head when that became baby face and all the mannequin heads were out there? He goes, can you imagine all these ECW, when you get them doing this, that'd yeah. be insane. But didn't this that is Paulie telling me. Didn't that make you feel good, though? Because he here you are your first night in, and he's laying out a six-month plan. Yeah. Automatically. That, he was the first promoter, booker, yeah, boss, whatever you want to call him, who actually sat down and said, this is what we're going to do. Because like when me and Marcus were the, became the tag champs, they put us together. Our first match was against Regal and Eaton. And they made me look like a 10-year veteran. Tag yeah. match was great. They were so they were so professional, made me look good. Of course, I could do anything they were asking me to do. And then it was the, and that was like August, this, the last week of August when we did those tapings there, we did like two matches. Then we did a video with us on horseback that never got used. <laughs> um, then we did a couple other things. Uh, we got to Atlanta. We did a video in black and white that you saw with the, at the, the Furbeck Museum. So they started spending all this money on us about, you know, with these videos and making our characters look good. And then they put the tag straps on us, but nobody really told us about tag straps until the night of uh, the Fall Brawl pay-per-view when we worked the Nasty Boys. So nobody was telling us about anything they were going to do. Yeah. Um, so it was like, you know, this is WCW, a big-time company. Like you said, a Ted Turner company. And you're kind of in the no dark. planning that they actually told us anything was going to go on. Yeah. And then, like, when I worked Marcus at the uh, pay-per-view that sold out, he turned on me, became buff. I found out I was wrestling him at the pay-per-view from his girlfriend <laughs> at the gym. Wow. She got me and said, oh, you, you, you and Marcus are going to have a hell of a match. I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, you're wrestling him at the pay-per-view. What pay-per-view? Why didn't he tell you? Who? Marcus. Yeah, he wasn't at the gym yet, I think, because she came in. Yeah, but he had to have known before that day at the gym. I have no idea. That's weird. I really, I have no idea when he found out. It might have been the same day. And he hadn't gotten in touch with me yet. It was basically and all I'm saying. And that, I think the pay-per-view was only like maybe three weeks away. 
I was like, really? All I knew is he turned on me that night in Tampa, and that was a fly-by-night decision, too, where he was supposed to, because they had had us doing all these little goofy spots where he kept bumping to each other, screwing up matches, screwing up finishes, causing each other to lose matches back and forth. So people knew something was going to happen, but not really anything of, of consequence yet. Yeah. And so that night in Tampa, I was, I was supposed to cause Marcus to lose to Steve Regal in a TV title match. But Nash came in and said, no, nah, we ain't doing that. Mark, you're becoming the uh, NWO tonight. So Kevin Nash came in and scrapped everything. Wow. And that was a, a payback to Marcus for being able to, when Kevin Nash was doing Oz and Vinny Vegas and stuff, Marcus and them were travel mates. Marcus was making like 150 a year and now she's making like 75 grand a year. Wow. So Mark helped pay travel expenses. Kind of like oh. you and me when we became partners. Gotcha. So when Nash came in, got a little bit of a rub, got a little bit of control and stuff like that. I said, Marcus, you're the first guy turning. We got well, you bringing in the nice of them. I mean, well, it worked out good for both of us in a sense. It gave yeah. both of us pay-per-view matches against each other. True. So it kind of elevated both of us a little bit. Yeah. And gave us something to do when they really weren't doing anything with us. Unreal. So, but yeah, going back to Paul, but yeah, when Paul sat me down and said, this is what we want to do for six months, that made me think this guy's really, you know, he, he didn't just bring me in to use me for whatever. He brought me in with an idea. So that yeah. was very cool. See, I, and I like that because we had on um, Luke from the Bushwhackers and his story, because they did a, like a double shot with us, like for a weekend or something. That had and blast. he, What's that? That had to be a blast. Oh, they nice guys. But when they came in, it was instant heat because they came in as Dudleys and they wore the shirt and they got booed out of the building. But their their concept was they thought they were going to be mainstays. And here they Paul said, oh, we're not going to use you after this or whatever. However, he told the story. But Luke was under the impression that they were going to be like ECW people now. Wow. And work with us. And he had no clue. So when they came in, they thought they were going to be with us for the long haul. And here that we go on tour wherever we went the next week and he's waiting for a ticket and there's no ticket. So Paul saw something in you for sure, because that, you know, that doesn't happen with every single person. Well, plus he put me against Rob and put me with Rob because we had a, a legit friendship for you know right. years already, right. and people knew of it at least a little bit here and there along the way. We didn't really have, have the internet back then, but no. you know, it was still people knew that we were friends. Thank God. Yeah, for real. <laughs> for real, I don't think a lot of us would have survived back in the nineties until no. now. I think that's why all the guys play video games and stuff now. Instead of being the uh, the idiots we were back in the nineties, different world today. <laughs> Much different. Sure. Um, we, the American males have been canceled for sure. <laughs> canceled culture, American males. Um, yeah. I would love to, to hear so much more. We're going to have to have you on again, but I do want to ask you: Will you stay with us and do another segment for Patreon? Sure, I'm. I'm trying awesome. to make sure you're, you're you're pointing so perfect on the screen. Mine's yeah. like. I was pointing to you. We're going to stay and work with him. Um, But I want to tell the people, are you doing anything these days? What are you up to? Where can they find you? Give everybody a little insight on what Riggs is doing today. Riggs ain't doing too much except being retired. Okay. Well, that's just, he made investments with, with the little bit of money he had going on at the time. He made the right investments when he got divorced. He had to wipe all the property in one sense. You can have all the gimmicks, all the stuff. As long as you don't take the money. And she okay. went, yay. And I went, bye. Have, you're have on an enjoy. Beach, right? Hmm? Are you, you're on the beach or you're near the beach? Because every time you post a picture, I get so pissed. I'm like, <laughs> look at this guy. He's on the beach. He's showing sunsets. The weather's warm. And I'm freezing. <laughs> I'm Pretty much on ball. the beach. Yeah. Oh, My son does like a, a, with about a nice little walk over a, uh, it used to be through the dunes before they put the little uh, walkways up there. But okay. yeah. About about 50 yards from the beach. Oh, living large. Okay. Well, where, where can they find you if people want to see your sunset pictures? Where are you at on Twitter? Uh, just on Twitter, real Scotty Riggs. Okay. Got the little blue check mark. You should get one sometime. I don't know why. Honey, not I have one. been trying and verified is like, nope, we're not verifying anymore. <laughs> that, makes, that makes sense because you're... 
I remember the first time I saw you on there, and all of a sudden you had like maybe a couple thousand followers. Next thing you know, you had ten thousand followers. Next thing you know, you had thirty. I'm like, <laughs> man, she blew up quick. I I only joined like three years ago because I was doing one of the wrestle cons, and they're like everybody. Daphne, Shannon, she kept telling me, you have to get on Twitter because when you do, you know, you're coming back. Cause I, I had taken like the longest hiatus to have my kids and stuff. Right. And she's like, you got to get back on because you have to promote it. I said, no one's going to want to follow me. And oh my God, ding, ding, ding. And I was, I started to cry. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm so old. Why are they, why are they following me? You know what I mean? But I've been on for three years and they won't verify me. And I just, I don't know why. Well, the only reason I got verified wasn't because I was Scotty Riggs. It's because I actually had a pretty good um, agent from Score Sports, and they're not even on, on Twitter anymore. Mm. Um, that I don't remember is the um, the first person that kind of repped me from there couldn't do anything for me. The next person who repped me, I asked her once, and she said, "Oh yeah, well, I'll take care of that in a heartbeat." And because I was I was I verified on their little thing, which is like a Score Sports was like an Instagram thing. You could post pictures, but it was all athletes that, was, okay. that it was doing. And she got me verified on there within about three weeks. And that was the only reason I got verified. Oh, I've been trying. Believe me. I right. have one more source that I'm waiting on. And if she can do it for me, then perfect. If not, I will never I will never. I know there was it. a guy who got the, the Bobby Heenan fake account. Oh, oh. yeah. That got that. it verified, and I asked the guy about because I asked the guy to try to get you verified, and he said that uh, getting the Bobby Heenan fake account verified cost him his abilities because he went to bat for him for whoever he knew for, through Twitter, and when they found out it was a fake account, it wasn't yeah. his account, and they they, they shut it down. He, he goes, "Man, that cost me my my connection." There's people on there that that are fans. That that are not in the entertainment business. Uh, like they have, they have two hundred and eighty followers. They have a blue check mark, and I'm just like, oh, okay, <laughs> good for you. But, but yeah, I mean, it's it's goofy, but again, that's that's the one cool thing about getting that done. I've been on, I got on like um, about the time I got done with Facebook, mm-hmm. I got on Twitter, and that was thanks to RVD. I think it was back in 2012. Oh, I mentioned okay. something to Amy. He told me, he goes, dude, get on Twitter. I'm like, what's Twitter? Yeah. I said, I, I, what was I going to, at the, at the time I was changing shitty diapers and, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, taking care of the kid. Like, what am I going to tweet about? I just changed another poop diaper. Like who wants to read that? I wasn't in the business at that time. I wasn't doing anything professionally. So I didn't think I needed an account. You know, there was nothing to tweet. What am I going to tweet? I mean, that, that's kind of what I do. I did for uh, for a while there. Like you said, I did a bunch of interviews and stuff, like two band power trip and everything. When I first got on there, yeah, I had to give a, you know, I give some props. <laughs> <laughs> but when I first got on there, it was like I had the same thing, and so people started asking me. All I, I got questions all the time about yeah. American Males or Flot, the iPads, this, that, and the other, and so. When people first and Dreamer and Dustin Rhodes and Van Dam and all the guys that were had blue check marks and knew who I, I was a legit guy started putting out this real Scotty Riggs is a real guy. Yeah. Give him a follow. Right. That's that's what I had to do because nobody because be- I had been gone for years and nobody believed it was me. And I was like, it, it, it's kind of me. <laughs> it's me, <laughs> you know, but uh, check mark or not, I'm out there. I'm trying. I'm hustling. You know, we're all carnies. You're, you're working. Heart. You're doing good. You're kicking. We're working. We're working, but we're going to keep working. We're going to keep you with us. We're going to go to our Patreon. Uh, Chad, what are we doing this week? So we are going to look at some of the worst places to get caught having sex. Ooh. So I think one of the American males is a great person to be joining us. chip in on that, uh, Riggs, <laughs> if you would like to. And if you wouldn't, you, you are allowed to keep your mouth shut, but it's a list. And uh, we're going to go over the places. List. Yes, but don't say it don't here. Don't say anything yet. Come over to Patreon. Got to come to okay. Patreon. But yes. other, other than that, we're going to run some classic uh, Patreon this week because of my move. We got to cut our recording session a little short. So okay. we got some, some of the best. I'm picking the best in the business that we have. I'm not good with so, my camera. No, you're good. You're good. No, you're good. You're good. You're good. You're you get we I can hear you better than I think 95 or 96 percent oh, of the guests we've ever had. I just found ridiculously good so i can barely hear you too and that's why my face is so close to the screen oh no turn your volume up my my volume was all the way up 
Don't worry about it. Don't tinker with anything. He's good. Get a computer. Don't Stop. worry about it. If you want to follow me, I it's don't at have, Chad I don't, It's like you didn't need Twitter. I don't need a computer. <laughs> what do I get a computer for? I have okay. an iPhone. Uh, true. That, I didn't get a flat screen TV until three years ago. I got you. All right. If you want to follow me across the board on social media, it is at ECW Diva Francine. Uh, join us on Patreon. Mr. Scotty Riggs will be with us. And with that, that is a wrap. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Wednesday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer, Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high-quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order.